0: Oh nope! Now I came on. I'm not gonna yell. I'm not gonna yell because it just came on. So <clears throat> my hair is officially longer than it's ever been. I know that you're really interested in that. Uh, I don't have. I don't know what to do with it. So I just kind of do this like slick back thing, uh, and then the rest of the time it's crazy because it's kind of curly and really thick, and so it just afros. I look like a chia pet most days, but. Uh, this morning I slipped back my hair and I noticed I have all these ones that are like curling forward up front. I have like 90s bangs also working. I don't really know what's happening. Uh, it's not a great look, but I refuse to cut my hair mainly because my wife wants me to. So take that. Uh, my hair is going to be super long. I'm going to look like all the pictures of Jesus soon. Well, like if he got, if Jesus got sung by a bee, I'm going to look like, because he all the pictures of Jesus are like Jesus fit, like, like a 160 pound correct BMI Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm not that. Uh, but enough about my hair and my obesity. Um, you know, we face another battle. <laughs> another battle. We face a battle uh, very often in our walk with God. And it's a battle between entitlement and empowerment. Entitlement focuses on what I'm owed. What is it that I deserve? And what should I have that I don't? Empowerment is given to us when obedience is given to him. And I think that's a really important thing for us to be able to wrap our heads around and and to be able to really just grasp that empowerment is given to us when obedience is given to him. Entitlement's bad for a number of reasons because first and foremost, it breeds laziness. And a lot of times in our walk with God, it closes the door on God, right? Because what happens is we get uh, angry at God because We don't have something that we feel like we should have. And if it gets really bad, that rolls over into bitterness um, for the same reason, because we just don't have things that we feel like we're entitled to. And today in Haggai, we're going to continue our story. We see the people overcome their entitlement in favor of empowerment. And we're going to look at what it took to do so. So, like I said, we'll continue our story. We're in chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. It says this, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Verse 14 says So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josadat, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. All right, so the first thing I noticed about this passage is that. When they were writing scripture, they never got rid of the last name, right? This is not a serious point. But like, if you say, hey, that's Paul Huff, you're not like, hey, Paul Huff, for the rest of the time, you just call me Paul, but they want to tongue tie you the whole time and give the full title. Again, like I said, not an important point at all. Uh, But there's something that happens in this passage. There's an occasion that we need to mark. And it's really important because Haggai is the rare prophet whose initial message is delivered to the Israelites and accepted by the Israelites. And we actually see the Israelites change their ways. Typically when the Israelites are spoken against in scripture, we see them kind of bristle against that. They get angry. They try to kill the prophet. They turn to pagan gods and then they receive punishment. And in fact, they find themselves in the captivity that they are in right now in Haggai because they failed to listen to a previous message from a previous prophet. So the fact that they listened and acted was a huge step and it's worthy of record. And we see a shift because of that change in them. We see a shift in the way that they are referred to. If you remember early in our passage, God refers to them as these people, right? And we talked about how that's an important change because so often when God's referring to the Israelites, he refers to them as my people. And so in his anger and his disappointment and the way that they were deciding to not listen and not obey his commands and not be in relationship with God. He called them these people. Well, we now see the shift back once they have changed their ways to the remnant. Now, the remnant is uh, an important word. It basically means the remainder, right? What's left of the nation of Israel? What's left of God's people? Being referred to in this way after being referred to earlier as these people would have been a sign to them that they were on the right track. And we see that this shift takes place because of two things. First, they obeyed the voice of the Lord. And second, it says that they feared the Lord. And we've talked about this before, too. But anytime it talks about fearing the Lord or having a fear of the Lord, it's not actually being afraid of him as much as it is respecting him, right? Holding his word in reverence. And so because of those two reasons, because they showed obedience and because they had reverence for what the Lord was telling them, they were now the remnant, right? They are now again God's people. So here's what we learn from this. When God calls, we have to respect his word and then do the work. When God calls, we need to respect his word and then do the work, Right, So to speak, we need to disregard our paneled houses, our entitlement, in favor of the house of the Lord, in favor of obedience, and with that obedience, empowerment. And when we can do that, it ensures that the presence of the Lord will be with us. And we'll talk about verse 13 here in a little while, but here's the thing. We look back at Deuteronomy 28, right? This is a word of Moses to the Israelites. It's in chapter one, and this would have been... uh, the Israelites Bible, right? Like, so the way that we look at the Bible is the way that they would have looked at Deuteronomy in a lot of ways and, and in other collection of books back in the day. But this would have been their scripture and they would have known this back to Deuteronomy 28.1. It says, if you fully obey the Lord, your God and carefully follow all the commands I give you today, the Lord, your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, again, this is a word of Moses to the Israelites, and that word is very much applicable to today, just like it was applicable when it was originally stated, just as it was applicable to the Israelites in Haggai. And it also, if you read that chapter, Deuteronomy 28, if you ever feel like it, there's a list of blessings that's followed. Talks about how they'll have blessed wombs and blessed barns and blessed efforts and blessed bread. Basically, they're going to multiply. You'll multiply in people, you'll multiply in crops, you'll multiply in the food on your table, you'll multiply in your successes. You're going to be blessed when you find yourself living in accordance to the word of the Lord. Not just scripture, but with the different things that he has called us to do in our lives. This is obedience. This is empowerment to experience plenty. But we've already seen the opposite because if we go back to our first week, Haggai uh, 1, 6 and verse 9, it says you have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And then verse 9 goes on to say you expected much, but it turned out to be little. So in Deuteronomy 28, what we get is obedience and empowerment when you follow the will of the Lord, when you put him first, he will place you high above all others. He will not let you fail. You will find success. You will find plenty. Now that may require you to change your definition of success. That may require you to change your definition of plenty, but you will find those things. And if Deuteronomy 28 says, is where we see empowerment and obedience. Then Haggai one, six and nine show us entitlement. So why would somebody ever choose entitlement over obedience? Why would somebody ever choose not having enough, putting their wages in a purse with holes in it, never feeling warm when they're clothed? Why would they choose that life instead of the blessed wombs, blessed barns, blessed efforts, blessed tables, Right? Why would you choose that one and the other? Here's why. Because sometimes obedience requires us to give up what we feel entitled to. And there's the battle. There's the battle we have in our Christian walk. There's the battle we that rages with inside of us. What is it that I want versus what is it that God wants? And those two things don't always line up. And when they don't line up, it's our job to trim the fat of what we want so that we Align with what it is that God wants from us. But it's really difficult. Because we're sinful creatures. And innately, a lot of us, all of us, are selfish creatures. You may be thinking to yourself, I'm not that way. But if you're choosing what you want over what God wants. And the fact of the matter is, that definition describes you. Sometimes obedience requires us to give up what we feel entitled to and what the remnant had to give up what they were being asked to give up by God what they were being told to give up by Haggai in order to be back in right standing with him and what we need to be giving up what we're asked to give up are so often the same thing comfort comfort how many of you would say I love comfort right like I love comfort I love comfortable clothes right if I can wear stretchy pants I'm wearing them Even my jeans are stretchy. I'm telling you, it would like surprise you how far they flex, right? I go to Thanksgiving, I'm in a sweatsuit. Everybody else dresses up nice. I need room to expand, right? I love comfort. I like comfortable couches. I like comfortable cars. Uh, I don't fit in little tiny things. And if I do... I'm going to fall out of it when it's time to get out and not be able to stand up. Right. But I love comfort in all areas. I like to have enough money. I don't need to be rich, but I like to have enough money to not struggle to pay for food when I need food and to cover all my bills. Like I love comfort. Chances are you love comfort as well. But sometimes we're called to give up that comfort for the Israelites in Haggai. What had happened? And David went over this a little bit last week. But what had happened is. They originally, when they got into captivity, they were obeying the word of the Lord. He had called them to rebuild the temple. And so they laid the foundation for the temple. But once that foundation was laid, if you remember, David talked about how they started to face opposition and people were attacking them and people didn't want them to finish the temple. And the king listened to those people who who said This will be bad. This will be bad for us. The Israelites will try to take over. If you let them build this temple, it's not going to go well. And so they started to face all this outside pressure, even though they had already been okay to build this temple and they got uncomfortable. And once they got uncomfortable, they said, oh, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. And so they shifted their focus from the house of the Lord to their paneled homes. And they went from God's people, the remnant to these people. They didn't want to have to be uncomfortable. And if you're honest with yourselves, a lot of the times in life when you have not chosen or made the choice to do what it is that God has called you to do, you made that choice because following God made you uncomfortable. You weren't confident enough in him or it or yourself, but you were uncomfortable comfortable. Maybe it spoke out against the way that you want to live your life or the job that you want to have or the dream that you had as a child, and you just don't like that. But here's the thing. When we find ourselves in a situation where we have screwed up, where we have made the wrong decision, it's never too late to reverse course. It's never too late to say, well, I've I know I made the wrong choice, but I've been going down this wrong path for so long. I'm kind of stuck in it. And that's what I'm going to do. Okay, what we have to do as Christians and as people is recognize where you made an error and correct because it's not too late. And why do I say that? How do I know that? Because if we look at our story, if we continue our story in the passage that we read, the foundation was built. They stopped building. But 16 years later. The foundation laid there for 16 years. 16 years later, they recognized their error and they began to build the temple. And with their obedience came empowerment. As verse 13 tells us, God was with them. And here's a truth. Something that I know is absolutely true. Something I know you've heard me say. And honestly, something you've probably heard other people say in your Christian walk as well. But here's an absolute truth. That we have to believe in order to overcome our entitlement to comfort. That God doesn't just call those who are equipped for a job. But God will equip the called. So if he's calling you to do something, and in your mind you say, this is not my strong suit, he will equip you. Look at Moses. When he called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses said, I'm not a good public speaker." He had some sort of speech impediment. Lots of people assume it was either a lisp or a stutter. He didn't like speaking in front of people. How's he supposed to lead this whole assembly? That was never on God's mind. God called him to do that. And he said, I will equip you for this task. And even as Moses said, no, 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 not me, not me. God eventually said, okay, you're still going to do this task, but I'm going to bring your brother alongside of you to help you accomplish that task. Because God calling him for a purpose is going to equip him for that purpose. And it's true for you and me as well. If God calls you to do something, he will equip you to accomplish that purpose. And not just that, if you are obedient, you will find empowerment and he will walk alongside you in your effort to ensure that you accomplish the task. Success in life for the Christian. Is not money, houses, and fame. It's following the will of God. Sometimes it will take you to the money and the houses and the fame. But sometimes it'll take you to the studio apartment where you're struggling to feed yourself all the time. But if you're aligned with the will of God, then you can consider yourself a success. Not only will he empower us, but he will be present with us. Romans 8 31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I plucked that out of context, but frankly, guys, we don't even need the context for this because here is the truth. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question that he asked because the answer is no one. You dummies. I don't know if the dummies was part of it, but the answer is definitely no one. Right? It's a rhetorical question. If God is for you, who can stand against you? Absolutely nothing. Huh? All right. This is what adult ADHD looks like. And I really apologize. Sometimes things happen and my filter doesn't catch them and they come out. But here, it's funny how quickly we forget that. It's funny how quickly the Israelites in Haggai forget that. They build the foundation. They're following the will of God. They know the history of the Israelites. They know about the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. They know about how when God is with them, nothing is able to stand against. But they get uncomfortable. They face some opposition. And they're done. Maybe you find yourself in those shoes. I want to shift just a little bit for the last few minutes of our sermon because I want to talk about Crosspoint and where I feel Crosspoint is as a church and where I feel God is in his standing with Crosspoint. So for the first few years of my residency as your pastor, that's a weird way to term it, I feel like we've been smoothing some cracks, right? Trying to... to Firm up our foundation. We're, we worked really hard to get our finances right. We've worked really hard to make sure that we have a strong children's department, which Chelsea has done an amazing job with and solidified that in a lot of ways. Like when I have a three year old coming home and answering questions about my sermon by using scripture, like I would love to say it was me that did that, but it wasn't. She learned that here. Where'd you learn that? Miss Chelsea. What's she telling me? Okay, cool right? We worked really hard to make sure that that's solid. We've worked hard to to build a youth program again because we didn't have one. And guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that you can find great success as a church without it. And Chase and Allie have built off of the foundation that Clay helped us build and they're doing a really good job and they've been really passionate and they, they love our kids. And if you don't know them, two things I know about them, they love prayer and they love the word of God. Th- those are just two of many things I know about them. But those two things right there are going to carry us a, a really long way as a church and as a youth program. And we, we've just we started to smooth those cracks. We had a. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first took over, I felt like we had a lot of divisions. There was a lot of clicks, and there were like pe- people didn't cross rows, right? Like you had your row and you stayed in your row, and you were friends with the people in your row. But if you weren't in your row or your section of the seats, like we didn't really have some crossover. But that's what, part of the reason why we did the gathering, right? To try to break down some of those walls, and we've seen people who wouldn't have previously mingled get to mingle and and come together. And that's one of the reasons why we push the gathering so much is because we've seen what it's done for our church and the relationships. It's built a family. It's took us from a bunch of individuals and made us a family. And we want you to be a part of that family too. And so that's why we're trying to give you that tool to use, to to get engaged in. And I know the hours make it hard, but we've, we've built this Foundation, we built, I should say, on top of the foundation that was already here, and we smoothed out some of the things that we thought were cracks, and we're working really hard to have everything that's foundational in place. And I feel like we still got a couple things to do as elders that we're working on, but we're there. We're there. And so, as your pastor, and as an elder, and as part of the leadership team, The question has been, what's next? What's next? And God has laid on our heart, a lot of our hearts, we talked about it last week, and the leadership team is gonna meet today and talk about it, but has laid on our hearts the word growth, growth. And it's really, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's slightly intimidating for me to stand up here and tell you about this in January, because if December comes and we haven't seen growth, I'll be frank, I'm gonna feel a little bit like a failure. I know it's not all on me, but I'm just, this is me laying it all out and being honest, okay? But growth has been laid on our hearts. We have this foundation, so to speak. Now it's time to raise the walls. Now it's time to put the roof on. God is stirring. He's moving today. He has been moving for a while. And we are at a place where I believe that it's time to answer that call. I think that we are at a place where God is putting growth on so many of our hearts because we are ready for it. The call is there, but it's going to take us answering it. And it's going to take us doing the work in order for us to be fruitful. But I know that if we will be obedient, obedient, if we will be obedient, then we will experience empowerment. And this thing that God is calling us to as a church, he will see to fruition. But it can't just be me. It can't just be Chelsea, It can't just be Chase and Allie or Jake or Phil. It can't just be those that are paid by the church or those that find themselves in the leadership team. It's gotta be all of us. How do we continue to grow spiritually? Yes, but frankly, how do we as a church grow in number? How do we put more hind ends in the seats? How do we get people in our building that need God and need community? And how can we offer those two things to them? My question for you today, my challenge for you today in the form of a question is, will you help us answer that call by doing what it is that you can do to help us answer that call? Maybe that means that you serve in the children's area and you haven't done that before. Maybe that means you help with the cleaning team or you join hospitality or you help out with just keeping this room in order and straightening chairs and like little tangible things, right? That all added up together, make a difference. But what are two things that you can do right now? What can we do right now? Here's two things that I believe, two things that I think that we absolutely have to do in order to have any success whatsoever. First and foremost, pray. I believe in the power of prayer. We need to pray for growth. We need to pray for growth in our kids area. We need to pray for growth in our youth group. We need to pray for growth in our Sunday morning setting. We need to pray for growth in our Wednesday night gathering. We need to walk in those areas and pray over them. That God would make them fruitful. That he would be with those responsible for teaching young minds. And for the young mind who's teaching older minds. We need to be praying. And if you will commit to praying every day, pray five minutes, two minutes, pray for this church, pray for your leaders, pray for opportunity, pray for boldness, pray for growth. What's the second thing that you can do? You can act. You can invite people to church. Who have you invited to church today? Maybe no one. And I, this is not a guilt trip, but I'm just, who'd you invite to church today? Okay, let's forget about that. Who can you invite next week? In the next week, in the next week. The person you strike up the conversation to at the gas pump, the person taking your card at the drive thru, friends, family, people you work with. Who can you invite? There's a temple to be built. There is a temple for a cross point to build. The foundation has been laid. Will you help us raise the walls? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your word and to to hear what it is that you have for us. God, as we continue over this next year, Lord, we pray for growth. We pray for opportunity. We pray for boldness. God set us all on fire. Help us to be people who are outwardly focused and outwardly thinking and, and, and who see the world around us as a mission field. Lord, we know that we need you, so it would make sense that others need you as well. And God, as we have started and continue to, to firm up our foundation, and, and while we are at the very end of doing that, God, I know, I know that you are calling us to something greater than what's taking place now in these four walls and what's taking place now in these four walls is great in and of itself. We have been blessed. We have been blessed with people who have giving hearts. We have been blessed with people who are committed to our church. We have been blessed with people who care about one another. God, this is just taking it to the next step. Will we answer the call? I'm fired up. I'm not going to lie about it. I am amped. I am ready to go. And God we want to do tangible things that are going to help give community and Jesus to people. And so Lord I would pray that you put it on everyone's hearts to be thinking about how it, we can do that. And God I would pray that you give them the boldness to bring those ideas to leadership. Knowing that hey we may not say yes to everyone but we will say yes to some. And you will move through them and you will move through their passion for you. And you will move through their passion for others. And God, I just want to be a church that puts Jesus first. I want to be a church that chooses second. I want to be a church that loves. I want to be a church that prays. God. We need to be a church that grows because you have called us to go out into the world and to make disciples. And there are so many ways that we can do that. God, we just pray that you would direct us in the ways that you want us to do that, and that you would give us the conviction and the wherewithal to act. Lord, I thank you for each and every person who's sitting in this room today and each and every person who has watched our service and participated online, because we together make up the church, not the physical walls not the physical rooms, we the people. We are the church. And I am so thankful for this church. It has blessed me in so many incredible ways and I know that it can be a blessing to others. And God, that's why I'm so passionate. That's why I feel like I'm on fire right now because I want to see your kingdom grow. And I know that the people in this room are capable of coming alongside you and participating in that work. God, give us a hunger for obedience, a hunger for empowerment. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. I'm going to be standing right down here. I'm going to turn my mic off. If you need to pray, Come pray with me, please, no matter what it's about. I would love to pray with you. I would be honored to pray with you. If you don't want to pray with me, maybe grab somebody else or even use our our stage here as an altar. We would love for you to do that as well. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want a relationship with Jesus, the first thing I'll tell you is that's the best decision that you could ever possibly make. Firmly believe that with my whole being. The second thing I would tell you is don't hesitate. Don't wait. There's no reason to wait. Today is the day. Maybe you need to talk about baptism. Maybe you want to talk about becoming a member of this church. Maybe you have some ideas about how we can help fill this place up and bring community to a world that needs it. Otherwise, stand with us right now and just pour out an offering of worship to the Lord.